Got a lot of great stuff coming up. As you came in, I hope you got a bulletin. Could I uh, use that in a little bit? There's going to be some notes. I encourage you to grab a pen. There should be a pen in front of you. Uh, if you never kind of dug your hand in that pocket, I know it's not the best. Sometimes it's kind of hard to find one. Hopefully there's a pen there, and uh, we, will, we will use that today. But next Sunday, we're doing something new. We've been doing membership classes for, uh, for several years now, about three years since we started membership at Hope Church in Montgomery. And uh, if, you, if you've been interested in membership, but also if you have been wondering, like, how do I get plugged in to a group? Or if you've been wondering, how do I find a place to serve, a strategic place to serve? Next Steps is for you. That's next Sunday. We're moving it from Wednesday to Sunday, but we're kind of reformatting because we want to make sure that you are plugged in. We're going to answer all the questions that you have, and we're going to talk about who we are, where we're going, what it means to be a member. There'll be no pressure to become a member. But we also, we would love for you to get, get connected to a, a Hope group uh, where you can have biblical community because that is where discipleship happens best. And we would love for you all to find the right place to serve in the body of Christ. And so if you have... If you have never kind of come to a membership class, or even if you have, like, man, I still haven't found a group, and I haven't found a place to serve, go ahead and let us know that you're going to come. You can do that by grabbing this little connection card in the back. There's a place there to sign up and put that in the offering plate on the way out, or you can scan your scan this QR code there or whatever you call that thing with your phone. You can do it digitally as well. Is that clear? Make sense? I would love for it to join you. Uh, get, provide lunch for you next Sunday and have a great time together. The power to change. Power to change. I heard a story about a man who was hunting. He was hunting specifically to, to find a bear and to kill a bear for a fur coat. Winter was coming, so he went bear hunting. And saw a bear, got close enough to the bear to shoot it. He pulled up his gun to shoot the bear, and the bear began talking to the man. And in a very soothing voice, the bear asked, well, hold, hold up there, sir. Surely, surely there's something we can, we can do to, to talk about this. What, what exactly is it that you want? And the man said, well, I want a fur coat. Well, the bear said, well, okay, well, all I want is, is, a, is my belly to be full. Surely we can come up with a compromise. And so they sat down, and they had a conversation. And at the end of that conversation, the bear walked away alone. That compromise and negotiation had been successful. The bear walked away with a full stomach, and the hunter had a fur coat. Oh, man. I say that to say this. Listen. Followers of Jesus in the room, we are getting eaten alive. We, we are getting eaten alive. The enemy is having his way among the church and the people in the church, which is the body of Christ. I say that to say, I know we like to, we like to laugh here, but I have to say this is almost shake us a little bit. Vance Havner said, the tragedy of today is that the situation is desperate, but the saints are not. The situation is desperate. The enemy is having his way. And I believe the enemy is having his way in us because we don't utilize what we talked about in the past few weeks, the conduits, the conduits to access the power to change. 
Now, we've been talking about this, that God has given us the ability to press the button to, to receive the power of Christ to change, and it can change everything and anything in our life. Where sin increases, grace abounds all the more. It's not even close. If you put sin here and the power of Christ here, it's like sin. And it, sin is, man, the, the power of Christ is so much bigger, but, but God has given us conduits to access that power to change. Some have called them spiritual disciplines. Some have called them holy habits. Because here's the truth. When we put our faith in Christ, go back to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For by grace are we saved through faith. This not, our, this not of ourselves. this is the gift of God. And what it's talking about there is when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we, we trust him. We are completely saved from our sins for all time. We were completely unrighteous in, in the courts of God. And we are, through Jesus, we are given his righteousness. We are completely righteous. We are positionally righteous for eternity. That is the hope of our salvation and faith in Christ because of his grace. But we have... This reality that we talked about last week, we, we still deal with this stuff, this, this fleshly nature. And so, whereas we are positionally righteous, we have work to do. We are, we are working on this practical righteousness in our life. And that is our responsibility. That's my responsibility. We are, we are for lack of a better way to phrase it, we are all pieces of work in progress, aren't you? And you know I am, y'all. We are all pieces of of work in progress. D.A. Carson writes, people do not drift toward holiness. Apart from grace-driven effort, people do not gravitate toward godliness, prayer, obedience to scripture, faith, and delight in the Lord. We drift toward compromise and call it tough tolerance. We drift toward disobedience and call it freedom. We drift toward superstition and call it faith. You see, the enemy is eating us alive. One of my heroes growing up and still is, I used to watch him on TV. My guess is if you've been following Jesus for a long season, you've heard this name. His name is Dr. Charles Stanley. And I don't know if you ever heard Dr. Dr. Stanley preach, but you should. You go on YouTube. He's on there. Uh, he's on TV. If you have any cable or whatever you have, you can find him. Just search for Dr. Stanley. And uh, he just had the ability to keep people's attention in a sermon. And he wrote over 60 books, pastored First Baptist Atlanta for, for 51 years, y'all. That's a long time. But during his sermon, many times you would, he would say, to keep people's attention, he would say, listen to me now. And that would, be the, that would be the cue to, hey, there's something coming that you really need to listen up to. And I am certainly no Dr. Stanley, admittedly so. But I do teach the same scripture that he taught. I serve the same church, the Big C Church, that he did. And I certainly follow the same Jesus like you do. And as I say that, let me say this. Listen to me now. Listen to me now. Spiritual growth is intentional, not automatic. Spiritual growth is intentional. It's something we do on purpose it doesn't happen naturally. It's not automatic. Vance Havner said, we are fighting the greatest battle of all time with the most untrained army on earth. He goes on further. If strict discipline is necessary in art and athletics, 
how can we expect to be advanced Christians and stay in kindergarten? You see, the enemy is eating us alive. But God has given us these conduits to access and grow in that power to change. They're spiritual disciplines, or for our terms today, it's often termed holy habits. They're the habits in our life that God has given us where we can grow in the likeness of Christ, in in the holiness of, of Christ. And he has given those things as a gift for us. Spiritual growth is not automatic. It is always intentional. And so would you grab God's holy word, your copy of God's holy word? I hope you brought it today. Uh, if you didn't bring it, bring it next week. We will use it. There's, these scriptures are going to be on the, on the screen today. But there's, to me, just something about holding a copy of God's holy word. And, and I want to talk about uh, God's word today. Because this is where it all begins. When we talk about holy habits, when we talk about spiritual disciplines, that that we must give first focus on is Bible intake. It's, it's kind of like, you know, I, I try to stay in shape. It's a, it's, a, it's a work in progress when it comes to, to my body. And I know as you get older, your metabolism slows. You take your thyroid out, it's all the getter worse. For those of you guys that have thyroid issues, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And so you gotta, you got to be really disciplined. you got to go to the gym, right? Uh, I go to the gym pretty often, pretty much every day. I go to the gym this morning early. I was on my elliptical in my garage and on my on my, what do you call that thing, Total Gym, Chuck Norris. I got one of those in my, and I'm just trying to be in my life, something like Chuck Norris, you know. I'm trying to, to beat old is what I'm trying to do. You got to do that. You got to go to the gym. But what do they say, right? They say you, you can't outrun the fork. And what that means is being in shape is, I think the percentage is 20% physical work and 80% what you shove in your mouth. Listen, it's no different in our spiritual lives. If we're going to be healthy, if we're going to grow in holiness, if we're going to thrive in this journey of, of growing in the likeness of Jesus, we must intake the right things. It's not enough just to do the right things. And by the way, Kudos to you, you came to church. That's the right thing. We're going to talk about a lot of the other right things, these disciplines. But we must first talk about what we intake in our life. In Scripture, there's two people that did it, actually did it physically. Ezekiel in the Old Testament and John in the New Testament. They actually were taking the scroll, the Scriptures, and ate it. That's not what we're talking about. Don't go home and, ah, don't do that, all right? It's just paper, right? But, but what we are talking about is an essential holy habit. And so I, I just want you to be honest with yourself today. How is your holy habit of Bible intake going? I believe the enemy is having his way. He is eating us alive, firstly and mostly because we neglect the holy habit of Bible intake personally in our lives. So take your scriptures, your copy of God's holy word, and turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Why is this? Why, uh, why are, are, are the, this, this book 
the books in this book, why are these verses so, so important? Why is it such a big deal? We're going to read 2 Timothy chapter 3. These verses might be familiar to you, but I want to laser focus on this because it's so important. Because this book and what Paul is saying to to Timothy in his final letter that he wrote, he wrote to Timothy, the one that he had been pouring into this pastor, young pastor, he'd been been mentoring and loving on riding from prison just underneath. And I've been to the, supposedly, I've been to the place that Paul wrote this letter. It's this prison deep in, just below. If you were to go today to Rome, if you were to go to the Colosseum, I went there. And did you know, fun fact, the Jewish people, they were slaves at that time, and they are mostly the ones that built the Colosseum. Fun fact, one day you're going to win Jeopardy because of that. But just below that, there's a garden, and underneath that, is supposedly, you go down these steps, way down, there's no windows even where close, is where Paul wrote this letter, where he spent his final days there in in prison. He wrote this, and he's pouring out his heart, kind of a last words type letter to this one that he loved. And he gives significant emphasis on what we hold in our hands. Make no mistake, this is no normal book, Mark. This book is, is, is unlike anything else that we could ever on our own dream up. Let's read verses 10 and following of 2 Timothy chapter 3. Paul writing, he says, Timothy, you, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and suffering that happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Now, there's your fun note of the day, but it's just true. If we're going to follow Christ, we will always, it always has been for the church, it always will be. We will stick out and we will be persecuted somehow, some way. But he doesn't stop there. He goes on, while evil people and apostles will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, Timothy... Continue, persist in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, the scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. The scriptures, don't miss that. It's not going to be our, our significant points today that I want to kind of fill in the blank today. But do know this, that, that this that we hold in our hands is the gateway to the wisdom to be to be saved for eternity. We wouldn't know unless we had this in our hands. That's what Paul is saying. And he goes on in verse 16. All scripture, all of it, every single word is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. It won't be on the screen, but I hope you have your copy of God's Word. I want to keep reading. He goes on to say, I charge you, Timothy, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the Word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, 
But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit them, their own passions, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of evangelists, and fulfill your ministry. My friends, as I read that, certainly you, you, you were thinking like as I did when I read that, like that time has come. We are living in that time. And that's why when we neglect the scriptures, the enemy is eating us alive. But God has given this. It is, it is the lifeblood. It is the, the tool that we desperately need to consume that died in our life daily. Why, why, why is that? Why is that? Well, let's go three specific things here, starting in verse 16, and we'll look at verse 17 as well. Why? Because Scripture speaks. Have you ever been hungry to hear the very voice of God? I have. I hope you have. We should be. I hope we are today. And here's what Paul is saying when he says in verse 16, all Scripture is breathed out by God. This is the voice of God. I, I sometimes forget that. I don't have to long and wait to hear from the Lord. All I have to do is open this holy book and begin reading. And God speaks. This book is not just a book. It is living it is active. It is, when it uses the word, the phrase there, breathed out by God, it is theonoustos. Theo is God. Noustos is the same similar word, that was the same root word. We get pneuma, which is the word spirit. But the idea is literally all scriptures is breathed into by God. It's the same thing as the very breath. Think about the that that's in my lungs, the core of who I am, in order for me to say anything, I have to breathe air from my lungs. Think about it, just physically, the anatomy of it, from my lungs. And where does it go? It goes through my voice box. It's by the grace of God. Mine still works. And I, you're, as you're talking today, yours still works. Like, it goes through, and it comes out of the mouth. But it, it comes from the core. It comes from the heart. And here's what Paul is saying this comes from the very mind, but the heart of God to us. And it is His, it's His words, Theonoustos, breathed into by God. See, the, the Jewish people certainly believed that about the Old Testament. And the early church certainly believed that about the Old and the New Testament. Second Peter Chapter 1, verses 20 and 21 says, No prophecy of Scripture comes from someone, someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is intricately involved. Why? Because these are the very breath of God to us. If we just kind of put our ear to it, just think of it. I'm a picture guy. I love pictures. So to me, like... I think about, have you ever put your, your ear on your, like when you were a kid, did you ever put your ear on your dad or mom's chest and you could hear the breath and you could feel the chest kind of moving back and forth and hear? If you just think about it, listen, that's a powerful picture 
as we listen to the word of God. We, we practice the holy habit, the spiritual discipline of Bible intake. We are listening, putting our ear to the chest of God. Say, God, I, I need to hear a word, and this is it. This is what I need. This is what I need to put into my as I thought about this, I think about modern day, and people are looking for more and more experiences in church and the emotions. Listen, that's no different. They were looking for that in the New Testament in the first century church. People have always wanted that. I want that too. But what we need most is what we already have. Because here's the truth. It's disingenuous to want to have a new message from God when we haven't duly been reading his message that he's already given to us. It's disingenuous for me to come wanting to hear from God when we aren't digging into the truth he's already given us. This is his word. This is his final word. The scripture speaks. It is inspired. It is the very breath of God uh, to us. And the second thing as we read on in verse 16, is Scripture saves. Scripture saves. And it saves in two ways. In verse 15, we learn that literally, we learn the access to Christ and how to have faith in Him and who He is and what He's done for us through the Word of God. We wouldn't know. And that's what Paul's saying. Hey, this gives you wisdom unto salvation. This is that point that literally will bring you from death to life, to hopeless to hope, from joyless to joy, and all the other things we could go from walking in darkness to walking in light. See, Scripture saves in verse 15, but Scripture saves, it rescues, it profits us, it guides us in God's best for us. God wants you to thrive. God wants you to live an abundant life. That's exactly why Jesus said in John chapter 10 verse 10, I have come to give you life and life abundantly. He wants you to have an abundant life. He doesn't want you to walk in doldrums. He doesn't want you to do without anything. He wants you to live a joyful, life-giving, abundant life. And scripture, get this, when it says this, when it says in 2 Timothy chapter 3 that all Scripture is God-breathed and is profitable, it's useful. This is useful for what? For teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Listen, and what that means is it's guiding us towards God's best. If you take the first two, it's talking about our, our, our understanding of who God is and our doctrine. It talks about for teaching and for reproof. Those go hand in hand. Because without reproof, teaching goes bad ways. But we need teaching in truth, and we need reproof. We need to be reproved. That, that word reproof is in alignment. It's, it's like a, a measuring line, a, a plumb line, if you will. Like this is truth. We have to line up to it. So you have that teaching that lines up to God's truth. So there's teaching and reproof. And then there's, the, so the teaching reproves us when I'm walking as I shouldn't, Right? But also, there is a reproof to the teachers. That's important. And sometimes we need that. The life of the church, we need when there is errant teaching, sometimes willingly, sometimes unwillingly, we have to say, hey, wait, whoa, wait a minute. Does that line up with what God says? Does that line up? You see, teaching and reproof go hand in hand. And the product of those coming together is healthy, true 
doctrine. It's profitable. You see, they teach, they rebuke, but they also correct and they train. And those have to do with our conduct. There is a correction. If we were not lining up, if we were reproved, not lining up, it guides us in how to course correct. If you've been coming to man up on Wednesday nights, I invite all you men, and I challenge all you men to bring your families on Wednesday nights and to come at 630 over there and see whichever room it is on this side, seat two, I think, is to come. We're just challenging each other and learning what it means to be a man of God better, like, and then holding each other accountable, praying for one another. I challenge you if you haven't come to come. But I said a few weeks ago, your direction in life determines your destination. And then I said this, your direction is more important than perfection because we never reach perfection. What those statements are, those are statements of, of, of conduct, of correction. We've got to be going the proper direction, and this guides us to it. That's why we must open it every day. I, I need direction in my life because it, without this, I'm going the wrong way every time. But with this and with God's help through the Spirit, man, I can walk this, not in perfection, but I can walk this journey, and the direction that I'm going determines the destination that I end up. And so there, then there's this idea of training. And so there's correction, but then there's training in righteousness. And that's the picture of an athlete. That's a picture of anything that we're learning to, to get stronger and better at what we do. This is really key before I give you that next fill in the blank. Listen, my friends. Listen to me now. Scripture is sufficient for our salvation. It points us to Jesus. But Scripture is also sufficient for our strengthening, for our equipping. We, we need to, to train ourselves. We need to build ourselves. We need to get stronger. And that's the third blank. Scripture strengthens. In verse 16, it says train. And in verse 17, it goes on to say that the whole, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. That word for complete and the word for equipped it's two very, it's two, uh, two changing, it's the same word used in two different um, usage types, but it literally is equipped, equipped, or super equipped, if you will. That's the, that's the use of the repetition. The man of God is super equipped by the Word of God. There is, there is uh, an implication there for all of us. If I'm a man of God, then I must be a student of the Word. If you are a woman of God, you must be a student of the Word. After Moses gave God's law and all of that we have in the first five books of the Bible in Deuteronomy, it says he, he had a song. He sang a song. I don't know what his voice was like. But we do have what that song was. It's Deuteronomy chapter 32, verses 46 and 47. It says this, Take heart all the words by which I am warning you today, that you may command them to your children, that they may be careful to do all the words of this law, for it is, for it is no empty word for you, but your very life. That's good stuff. He's saying, man, this is, we cannot undervalue 
what we hold in our hands. The psalmist picks that up and writes Psalm 119, a really long psalm, right? And the way Psalm 119 works, it goes through all 22 letters of the alphabet to remind us of the sufficiency and the power and beauty of Scripture. In effect, what the psalmist says in Psalm 119 is God's Word is everything from A to Z. It's all that we need. I know that's the, that's the English alphabet. But, but literally from A to Z, it is what we need. The scriptures are life. That being said, I don't want to give you truth without giving you the ability, a, a way to do that. So let's talk about Bible intake. How do I do that? Well, man, there's so many ways to do that. Over the past 2,000 years, the church has practiced lots of different holy habits, specific ways to do this. But on your chair when you came in, you had one of these, I hope. I think everybody should have had one. So you'll just grab it. This is just a simple little notepad. It's, we'll call it our journal. I don't know if you've ever practiced journaling, but journaling helps you chronicle and grow in a few of your spiritual disciplines. One is Bible intake and the other is prayer. We're going to talk about prayer. We're going to come back to that. If you've never been a journaler, I don't know if that's a word, but it is now. If you've never been a journaler, may I challenge you to accept a 30-day challenge to open God's Word and write down what He tells you. I've given you a tool. This is not, you don't have to use this, but if you don't really know even how to even start, or if you've been struggling in your Bible intake and it's kind of become stale. Uh, I would encourage you to soap it up. Soap it up. There's a little bookmark there. Now, if you're Spanish, if you speak Spanish, on the back, they have taco, which is even better. I wish mine was taco because I like tacos. But soap is good and healthy. So if you turn to the English side, it's soap. And it's a simple pathway. And this is what I do when I, when I use this tool I'll just write out the scripture, and, and if, if you don't know a place to start, I just encourage you to start in John chapter 1, and take the next 30 days to take a chapter and just read it, and sometimes I even write it. It helps me. I like repetition. I will read it, and then I will write it out, which takes some time. I'm a slow writer. I don't write much these days. It even hurts that I don't write much. You know how back in the days when we wrote a lot, it didn't hurt, but, but it kind of hurts when you don't do it much, but I encourage you to, to read it. And then to write it, it gives you a guide there. Then observation, and ask some questions there. And I'm not going to go through all of this, but, but, but what does the passage say? And ask several other questions. And then use, like how do I, how do I use this? How is this useful to me? How, how do I apply it? And then there's a, a prayer guide there. And it's that old ACTS, A-C-T-S, adoration. How can you adore? How, when you start your prayer, how can you, how can you give God glory? How can you lift him up? How can you give him the praise that he Deserves. And then it's confession. What in your life do you need to confess to him? And then it's thanksgiving. What has God given you and blessed you with that you can thank him for at that moment? And then it's the, the supplication, which is a big churchy word that says, God, I need you to, I need help. I need help with these things. And write those things down in your journal. And I, I encourage you to do it for the next 30 days. 30 days. I don't know about you, but there's many times in my, in my past that... That I, I have 
been challenged to do healthy things. My wife often challenges me to take some pills. You know, as you get older, you're supposed to take, like, there's these vitamins or, or whatever that is. But, but my wife's a nurse, and she's big into health, which is good. I'm so thankful for that. And I came home one day, and, like, there is a, there is a pill box full. I mean, it's so full you can't even close the lid full. And she says, take these things. And so I took those things for a few days, and guess what? I didn't notice any difference. And she said, hey, you won't notice a difference in one or two days. You've got to stick to it and take it for a month and two months and three months. Same thing for going to gym. If you hadn't gone to gym in years and you went to the gym tomorrow, the next day after that, what will you be? Just sore. You won't notice any other difference in your life. But if you stick to it for 30 days, for 60 days, for 90 days, man, you're going to see some transformation in your life. And so... Brothers and sisters, if you are following Christ, or even if you're a seeker, I just challenge you to, to take this hope habit challenge for the next 30 days. So soap it up. Soap it up. Use this as a guide, if you will. And every day, sometime in the day, set aside a time. Morning, night, middle of the day, maybe lunch. Uh, and take 15, 20 minutes to, to read God's Word and to chronicle what God does, does, what God does for you as you ingest his holy, inerrant, powerful word. And as you do, may I give you a few suggestions? One is this. Study to know God more, not just to gain knowledge. I think that's a big deal. A lot of people will, will approach God's word very mechanically, like what's the, what's the knowledge in this and I need to gain? Our biggest gain in scripture is to know God more. And, and to grow in our relationship with him. So let that be, let that be your first motive. So, so as you read, read with your mind, engage your mind. We're supposed to do that, but engage your heart and let God speak into your mind and to your heart. And the second is this, stick with it. Stick with it. Someone once said, we have to stay or we stray. We have to stay in God's word or we stray from God's Listen to me now. This book is essential for what God wants to do in us and through us. We must be intentional because consuming this will not come for me automatically. It will not come innately. It will not come just to me. I have to go to it. I challenge you to do so this week and see what God does. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word. And God, I want to say, and I hope I can say for everyone in the room, this statement, just honestly, as we think about your word, as we think about what it is and how profound that is, I hope we can all say, as I say to you, Lord, speak. We are listening. We choose to position ourselves under your word this week. Would you speak to us? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
When someone decides to follow Christ, their life is changed forever. Death turns to life. Despair changes to hope. Dark becomes light. It's a deep, quiet moment that could easily be kept hidden. But a change this profound can't stay a secret for long. It's time for the world to see what God has done. For we were once in darkness, but now we are light in the Lord. Baptism is an act of faith. It's a celebration, a beacon cutting through the fog, a message to the world that a lost cause has been redeemed, that God is here and he is transforming lives. So embrace this moment. Declare his glory and let your light shine. Speaking of God's word, God's word says when we put our faith in Christ, our first step of obedience is to show the world that we have put our faith in Christ. Thank you, right there. Right there, there's something special. There you go. By being biblically baptized by immersion. So this young man, Ephraim Maskey, is coming to tell you today that he has done that very thing. And I believe Daddy's going to read his testimony. Yes, sir. So this is my son, Ephraim Maskey. Here's Ephraim's testimony. I gave my life to Jesus because Jesus died on the cross for me. I have known Jesus my whole life, as far back as my memory goes. I asked Jesus into my heart about a year ago when I was nine, nine years old because I felt the love of Jesus in my heart, and I also wanted to see him in heaven one day. Jesus' trip to the temple is his favorite Bible story. In Luke 2, 41 through 47, it says, His parents went down to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up there according to the custom of the feast. That they were, And when they were returning, after spending the full number of days required, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But his parents were unaware of it. Instead, they thought that he was somewhere in the caravan. And they went a day's journey. And they began looking for him around the relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem looking for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. It's a good verse, isn't it? Ephraim likes this. It's his favorite Bible story because even as a kid, Jesus caused some trouble for his parents. Ah. I love you, Ephraim. Your family and I are so proud of you, of your decision today to, to proclaim that Jesus is your Savior. Look at all those people out there. And you tell them today, who do you confess as Savior and Lord of your life? Yeah. And from upon your confession of faith to these people, and upon the command of our Lord Jesus, I baptize you, my little brother in Christ, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
buried with Christ in baptism, and raised to walk in a new way of life. Would you stand? We got a lot to celebrate. Let's sing this out together. Taking the truth of God's word. I'll take you at your word. Sing it with me. I'll take you at your word. If you said it, I'll believe it. I've seen how. 